Welcome everyone, you are with me Ivo and that's another episode of the Foxtails. Today actually it's going to be a little bit different because for the first time we are changing the concept of the podcast. So far it's been mostly about our learning in the music industry and it's been very much catered to artists. But um, as of today we're going to start a new sort of segment which is um, right now I call it in my head uh, artist stories where we're basically going to showcase the artists we love or we find interesting. Um, and my first guest is both. I assume most of you know it. It's an artist called Contrus, uh, who is releasing music with Ghostly International, one of my favorite labels. And today we're going to speak in about the last 10 years um, since he released his prolific album Galactic Melt. Um, his journey as an artist, we're going to touch upon uh, a few topics that might be interesting to artists, and we're going to talk about his music. So without further ado, I'm going to tune in with Seth Haley. Oh yeah, and uh, something I always forget, if you enjoy this podcast, you can like, follow, and share, so we can get some love from the algorithm on your podcast uh, application of choice. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at WeAreStereoFox, or join our Discord server, there is a link in our Instagram bio. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy our conversation with Comtrus. Uh, welcome, Seth. Pleasure to have you as the first artist guest on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I usually try to break kind of the ice with a non-music question, and <coughs> even though you've been interviewed quite a lot, what is the one random fact about yourself that probably most people wouldn't know? Um, a random fact. Um, hmm. uh, I'm a stepfather, <laughs> I guess, would be not <laughs> okay. really known. Okay, uh, that's something new. Breaking the news. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been listening to your music before starting Stereo Fox, uh, and it's been actually... This year is 10 years from the release of your debut album, Galactic Melt. I know you guys are preparing something special with Ghostly, which is your, your label. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you share something about that? Um, you know, it was, I guess for the most part, we're, we're going to add some extra um, songs digitally um, mm -hmm. to the release um, that were, you know... That are from the same time period, uh, writing period at least of, you know, Galactic Melt and um, yeah, it's it's been exciting and there's there's another few little uh, little treats that are gonna come out along the same time, <clears throat> around the same time and um, and you mean yeah as an unreleased material, <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. Some old see, I went into some old demos and I spent a couple weeks looking through old files and old songs and. You know, kind of seeing what what wasn't too too far away from being slightly, you know, as polished as it could be from, you know, for as as old as it was. Um, and you know, I grabbed a bunch of those. And was there yeah. was there like a, some sort of like decision making process to, on which one to include? I assume you have a lot of material that's still unreleased. Yeah. Um, yeah, we. Had, I think I had like nine or ten tracks, and we were just going to do four. Um, you know that really. You know, some of them were really short demos and things like that that were just ideas. And, you know, I think what we chose are, are the best of the bunch. And, um, you know, 
it's it'll be nice to close the chapter on that. I'm <laughs> really don't want to have to go and open old project files anymore. It's there. Yeah. Actually, speaking, yeah. speaking of a of a, of a chapter, basically for 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 our listeners, the whole journey of your music is sort of like the story of this character, like Contrus, obviously, and you refer to him as the synthetic astronaut, right? Yes. Uh, would you say that 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 era is going to be done with uh, with this kind of reissue? Um, I I think yes and no. I mean, I think I'm you know going forward for a while now. I've been thinking of uh the last few releases other than uh indicate two have kind of been based on their own story you know their own idea as opposed to kind of you know an idea encompassing a, a, a you know collection of releases i think um it's been easier for me to just you know kind of have these one-off ideas and you know more more like short films and you know as a, as, as opposed to like you know a feature what mm -hmm. what i would call the you know the the early releases how they at least they tied together and i mean that story wasn't so much you know i mean it, we put it out there but it was more for me uh, okay. to kind of keep track of where i was going and and have some direction I, you know i don't a lot of the songs are are not based on my personal life i don't really have a hard time translating those um you know, personal moments mm -hmm. into, into music in the immediate, you know, so it takes me a long time to, to, to kind of figure out, you know, what my emotions were and what was going on. And, you know, listening to that music now, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember what I was doing then and how I felt and things like that. But, you know, while writing during that time, I, you know, I was really not focused on my personal life. It was, you know, basically my escape. So mm -hmm. I had to come up with something to kind of, I don't know, facilitated me staying on track. I so... Actually, so I, obviously, when I was listening to others' interviews and, and podcasts, and where you share that you rarely kind of draw into the personal experience when you create music, and that was, I think, for me, the first time I hear. I'm sure it's it, it, some other artists are doing it, but then I thought to myself, it's pretty actually unique way, and it's easy way to be still creative, because it's I assume it's not always. Um, something happening in one's life to be able to inspire music and in this way creating this story in your head I can see how that helps building up a narrative around the sound definitely yeah I mean you know I definitely think that you know the emotions and just things that you're going through in your life well they're going to work their way into the music no matter what yeah. but it's whether or not you are immediately kind of you know translating that into something you know um you know, immediately and not really taking time to think back and, and kind of process it. I, I think there's, there's just a lot going on, um, you know, in, in everybody's personal life that I think, um, you know, it's, it's hard to really focus on that stuff. You know, <laughs> you kind of need something else to, I don't know. It's almost, I think it was my way of like kind of shielding myself from, I don't know, you know, kind of being, um, you know, I, I was always, a private person so i think yeah. it's that <clears throat> kind of that thing for me was it was sort of kind of like a little privacy shield as as, as much as it could be you know <laughs> do you get recognized a lot um no not so much anymore i mean i moved um you know i did when i lived in in brooklyn and then mm -hmm. i moved to la and I didn't really go out all that much. I mean, it happens occasionally and, and then some weird places, airports once in a while. But, you know, I, I live down in Florida now and I'm kind of a really stay at home kind of, uh, kind of guy these days. So, you know, 
I've changed hairstyles a few times too, <laughs> so that helps my disguise. <laughs> um, do you do you because it's like such a ten years is such a awesome timeline to achieve as an artist. When you listen to the album now, do you ex do you experience it differently, so to say? I think for me, really, I I, I guess I would say that. Um, I kind of am amazed by it now, you know, listening to it, I'm amazed in a few different ways. I'm amazed that like, wow, that carried me to where I am now. And it's basically, it's been my job ever since. And um, You, you were in advertising before, right? Yep. Okay. Yes, I was. And then, yeah, I, I kind of gave that up to do this and I've been doing it for, you know, I don't know, 12, 13 years almost. Um, and You know, I also am amazed by the fact that I even made it, you know, like I, sometimes I listen to that stuff and I'm like, what was I even, what did I even do? How did I, how did I do that? You know, and, you know, I guess going into the old project files, you can kind of get a, a, a gist of, of, you know, what, you know, what my thought process was, I guess, mm -hmm. and, you know, for, you know, when I look at it myself, but I, you know, I, I think it was the time you know, and, and where I was and, and what I was doing really kind of influenced that more than I, you know, expected it to. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know. I really, I do still enjoy it. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Electric Melt is my, probably my favorite record, you know, it's uh, out of everything I've done. because I don't know. It's just, there's some quality to it. And, you know, I changed a lot of things since then and with other releases. And, and so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm glad I haven't really, you know, been too repetitive with, mm -hmm. with that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of that, that record was just me being naive. So I mean, know, I guess that's the, that's the kind of beauty that back in it. Yeah. I, I, I think I found it. So that was before Stereo Fox existed, which is since 2013. So I think it was 2012 when I first heard, heard the album, and I still listen to it to this day. But awesome. technically, even, even though you consider it as a, your debut album, you actually released Cyanide Sisters 2009, if I'm not mistaken, or 10, the yes, EP. Yes, 2009, and, I think, 2009, maybe, yeah. And that was before kind of ghostly, because you've been working for them for, ever since, right? Since the release of yes. Electric Mount. Did they have um, any like uh, creative or guidance or input on the on the final like release or which tracks made it to the record? Uh, for Galactic Melt, yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually a thing that I and you know ever since I started working with Ghostly, that's a that's a big thing that they kind of help help me with along with my my manager. Um, they really helped me with the track listing and and kind of making it. You know, we everybody gets it. It's all you know. Gets the files, and everybody come. We come back together with our with our what we think our version of it should be. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and sometimes things work better when you you know you hear different ears hear it. So I really you know other than that, um, they really didn't have much to say back then. I think they were pretty much kind of letting me bloom as a as an artist, you know, in, in my own way. And then you know as we've gone forward. Mm -hmm in my career and, and releases they've they've you know they've had some input or and it's more like you know why don't you try this or why don't you try that like maybe you should work with uh, some vocals or you know nothing they're pretty hands-off though for the most part which which is great and um you know i i really i look to them for you know kind of sort of 
pressure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and deadlines because we all know being your own boss is pretty difficult and, uh, you know, kind of staying on top of yourself and getting things done can, can get, uh, yeah, it's a bit hairy, challenging. So, yeah. So, you know, I like, I like, you know, that kind of, um, relationship with them mm-hmm. where they're, you know, they're, you know, they're still, they're, they're watching out for me and, and trying to, you know, make the best products, you know? Yeah, we live in because we started a label as well two years ago, and, and I can I constantly see artists changing labels, so I always mm-hmm. admire. And for me, basically, the I, I've been a fan of Ghostly for as long as I remember myself, and that's the biggest evidence for a label doing a great job if the, an, an artist stays on and just keeps working with them. Definitely, R- regardless I, of I the agree. setup, the relationship. Yeah, I you know it's um. I'm very lucky to be on, you know, as a, as a, as an American electronic musician. Um, I think being on ghostly is, is like, you know, really, really one of the most amazing things that's happened to me. Um, and you know, and I, I like the guys and I like the team and and I like, you know, I like what they do, you know, in and outside of music. And, Mm -hmm. and it's just felt like, I I don't know. I've, you know, I've been, you know, thinking about starting my own little label and, you know, but it would be a different project. I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to take this there. I, I yeah. think, um, you know, Ghostly has such a big reach and, um, they really facilitate a lot of things that, you know, otherwise I wouldn't really know how to do or, or have the time to do. So they're, it's, you know, it's, they're an amazing label and I'm extremely, uh, extremely uh, lucky to be working with them still to this day <laughs> shout out to ghostly <laughs> yeah. Go- going back to the what you said about the the album that you're still impressed um because I, I i read somewhere that you rearranged your studio i guess during the pandemic because you did take some time off right in terms of uh, releasing music last year yeah there was the compilation um, in dk2 i think that was in december yes but that was the, that material was written before the pandemic or yeah it kind of strewn about over the years um <clears throat> and yeah i mean i, I took a, I, you know we all had to take a break <laughs> for the most <laughs> yeah. part so you know i i didn't feel extremely creative in the early parts of of uh you know the the, the covid19 pandemic so i really didn't do much but mm-hmm. yeah i did for the most part i kind of cleaned out the studio and and really just took you know a lot of stuff out of this room and and kind of narrowed it down and went through all my old books and, and stuff like that and kind of tried to make it feel you know a little less cluttered obviously and, and a little more like a inspiring kind mm-hmm. of creative uh, space so you know that was good and 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 as of you know the last couple of weeks I'm finally starting to f- really feel the the writing uh, is finally getting back to, you know, how I was working before. And, you know, I think, um, it took a little while to, um, you know, you forget things, I think sometimes. And, um, you know, it was just kind of going through and, and remembering processes that I have and things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, it's, I, uh, it's been a journey, but, um, yeah. I, I honestly think it's, it's really nice and cool to also speak about the fact that sometimes <laughs> it's okay to take a break as an artist. Because I feel, especially in the late, the last few years with the whole streaming and release strategies and releasing single every two months, that's been putting a lot of pressure on artists. And it's really awesome, at least I think, to hear from someone who is more established to say, it's okay if you don't feel creative. Like, 
Yeah. You, you can't be I, releasing new music every month and yeah. for it to sound like I, I, mind-blowing. Yes, oh, sorry. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that's always been a thing for me that I've thought, I found uh, like difficult and, and just watching it happen is, is kind of... Um, kind of a, a, a little bit stressful watching, you know, the, just how music is released now and, and how people are just consuming and consuming. And con- I don't think really we're, we, you know, are really digesting things. We're just moving on to the next thing and we want more and more and more. And I just, I don't want to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the more music you release, the, you know, the, the potential for more income, but I, I, I can't compromise with like your sanity, I guess. And, and you know what, if you, if you, if, yeah, if you just course. don't feel it, you don't feel it. I mean, I try to work on music every day, whether it's just a little loop or whatever, and whether or not, you know, it turns into something more than, yeah, awesome. But a lot of the time it's just stuff that just clogs up the hard drive, you know, and you know, when it, I really just, I'm the type of person when, you know, it'll, it strikes when it strikes mm-hmm. and I can't really force it or, you know, I, and that's why I took, you know, most of 2020 and kind of, made this space that I'm working in a place where that, you know, there's, there's enough room in here where I can kind of just let, you know, my own ideas, like, you know, materialize, you know, I felt really crushed in here for a while and uh, that was huge for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm rearranging a sort of a kind of like a office studio at home. Cause I also work from home and uh, up until recently we just a tiny laptop and now it's becoming a place where you can be creative. So awesome. I can relate. To that yeah. somehow. Uh, speaking of, because like we mentioned, you were in design, like uh, advertising design before. Would you have you ever thought about kind of moving the story of the synthetic astronaut into like, do you write fiction or kind of making a comics out of it or something? Oh, I would love to. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we talked about some things, and you know, it's nothing's ever really, you know, a real serious conversation or mm-hmm. anything like that, but. You know, I would love to, you know, I don't know, you know, make some, make something more like supplemental to it, you know, um, some sort of added value to the music, you know, and I just think that's a, that's a big thing now. Cause you know, I think a lot of people think they give av- added value to their music by being extremely active on social media and that, and that I'm on the other side where I, I just, I'm really starting more and more as the days go by to dislike social media and, I don't want to feel like I'm pressured into doing that. So I'd rather do something like, you know, make a little, a little zine or something Mm -hmm. or like, you know, just some sort of, yeah, it would be great to do some comics or, 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 or yeah, write some things and, and, and kind of supplement the music in that way, as opposed to just, you know, constantly posting, you know, whatever to, to kind of, I don't know. It's like, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to battle with the, you know, the, the, the people that constantly engage with people when, you know, it's like, how do you really have a private life by doing that all the time? So I think that's where I'd want to take it with, you know, yeah. some sort of extra things that, you know, are part of the music, but not music, you know. Mm-hmm. I can somehow relate to the social media topic. And in the last one of the last episodes, we had our, uh, an e- editor from Deezer, and we're discussing, obviously, like TikTok and social media. Mm-hmm. He made some really good points about if you have something to kind of share, you do it. And if you don't, you just kind of, kind of fuck it and move on. And there is a good example of a, a, like, initially I was quite against TikTok, <clears throat> but then I found a few people. There is a guy 
uh, that's kind of off topic, but uh, I forgot his name. He's on TikTok. And basically what he does is he takes videos of buildings and nature and he's an illustrator. So he draws eyes and makes conversation between them. And it's totally not about him. And he's a very private person. I think nobody knows who he is. But he's mm-hmm. kind of exploding on the platform. And it's, it's a good example that you don't have to overshare if you yeah, find it's, your it's, niche, um, sort of. Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting to find people that can find the balance, you know? Yeah. Because I think it's a tricky thing to do. Um, yeah, at first I wasn't that thrilled about TikTok. And, you know, I've just, uh, you know, you can get caught scrolling and scrolling and scrolling away. And I've been <laughs> actively trying not to do that, you know? Just... Uh, it is hard sometimes. But, um, yeah, it is. It's 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 definitely a sort of drug, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of visuals and aesthetics, um, I am not sure if you are like a genre kind of guy, and if you like being labeled as an artist. Like, I think you create fairly diverse music, but there is a few genres that always pop up when people speak about your music. Uh, mostly synthwave, I would say, or retrowave. Mm-hmm. Um, which for those who listen and are not familiar with the genre, how would you, how would you describe the music you create or the genre in a, like, a, explain me like I'm five sort of. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I used to call it, you know, uh, mid fi synth wave, slow motion funk. When I first started, I kind of <laughs> had that little kind of uh, tagline to mm-hmm. it. And then as years have gone by, when people, you know, you, conversation with a random person oh what do you do what do you you know all right music oh what kind of music i just kind of say well it's kind of kind of down tempo electronic music is, is basically what i tell people now because i you know i don't mind being called synth wave or chill wave or retro mm-hmm. wave or whatever wave vapor wave you know <laughs> I, I you know i think part you know certain parts of my music fit into all those things and then certain parts of it don't um i you know i don't I never felt really pigeonholed, you know, mm-hmm. in that way. Um, I've always felt like I'm kind of on the fringes of, of, of a few things. So I've, I've been able to kind of stay in this weird, you know, kind of bubble that's kind of, you know, forever morphing into whatever it may be. But yeah, I, I really, I, I don't know. I think, I think mid-fi synth wave, slow motion funk is kind of like, slow mo- I, I like the slow motion it. funk part. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, again, it's. I think everybody has their own interpretation of it anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, as long as people are enjoying it and listening, I guess you can call it whatever you want. You know. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that actually the major DSP sevens like I checked Spotify had actually a, a playlist just focused on the genre, and I I think that it has evolved for the past decade. I would say, especially I know a lot of people kind of credit like um drive the movie and the soundtrack for the kind of peak of the genres which was i can't recall the year it came out in 2012 or 13 yeah, something like that yeah but i think for me at least although it, i wouldn't say say it's my primary genre that i listen to the 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 thing that kind of boosted the the sound was stranger things because the soundtrack mm-hmm. and the vibe is very i don't know if you've seen it Yes. Yeah. So the vibe is very like 80s and it's kind of like this romantic old school vibe. And then the soundtrack mm. is also, I would say, rather, mm, yeah, synthwave. And I think that yeah. sparkled interest in the, especially in the younger generations. 
Yeah, I I think I definitely could see with with my own um, uh, stepdaughter how uh, she was she was uh, a Stranger Things fanatic on it when she first saw it. And that was you know a couple of years ago now, so she's a little older, a teenager now. Mm-hmm. So you know they're into different stuff, but uh, you know she's still excited about the the season coming up. And but I definitely see how you know if I, like I love to drive and everything, and you know that soundtrack. You know that, that yeah, was, yeah. was perfect for that film, but that film kind of didn't necessarily touch on the like the nostalgic aspect of like synthesizers in the eighties, the seventies and eighties when you know where they came, the culture surrounding that. So for me, I don't think it was disconnected in Drive, but it was just like two two different ideas happening mm-hmm. for me. I think. Um, where on the other hand, I think you know, obviously, like you said, Stranger Things is is much much more focused on, you know, the retro aspect. Is just because that's the time period that that show was, you know, kind yeah, of set in, yeah. as opposed to Drive, which is fairly current day to me. I'm feeling, you know, the, um, I was thinking, <clears throat> would you love to? I, I assume so, but if you can rewrite the film score for any old school 80s classic or series i have one in mind i'm not gonna say it first i'm just curious what you're gonna say what is the one movie that you would love to be able to write the soundtrack for an existing one? Oh man that's that's difficult i i, I for a long time i used to want to do that you know rescore things in, mm-hmm. in my own way but you know after watching these films so many times i'm just like i don't think i could hear it another way you know um I've you know I always wanted to do like my kind of version of a video drum or mm-hmm. or uh, you know scanners or you know something like that but you know I I don't know I really don't know I was th- I was thinking because I feel it's kind of um, becoming popular to to see reimaginations of classics like Halloween mm-hmm. um, I think if if they do Twin Peaks like oh yeah <laughs> your music would fit quite nicely in some That'd of the scenes awesome. if, if they like basically reimagine the the movie like nowadays yeah i i remember so i was born like in the late 80s in bulgaria initially we have one or two channels that's that's all we had when i was yeah. six or seven and twin peaks uh had left such an like impression in my childhood memory and the scenes awesome. and the aesthetics so that's why i didn't oh go ahead no that, that was it <laughs> Oh yeah, and it's funny because I didn't watch Twin Peaks for the longest time. It's only in the I think maybe two, three years ago I finally gave it, you know, a, a real shot, you know. Oh, okay. And uh I fell in love with it, you know. I just uh I think it was one of those things like when I found out about Boards of Canada, someone told me I was like, Yeah, 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 whatever. And then, you know, eventually I stumbled upon it again on my own, you know, All after right. the fact and was like, Oh my god, this band's amazing and I went back to that person and was like, You gotta check these guys out and, and this person was like I told you about them forever ago, you know, and, and, and my buddy is a huge David Lynch fan, the kid I grew up with, known, you know, known my entire life. And he's, he was always saying, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. Yeah, 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 I'll watch it. And then I finally watch it. And he's the first one I turned to, like, well, I'm so stupid for not, <laughs> you know, giving it a try earlier. How, how long was that ago with Boards uh, of Canada? Like recently or? Uh, for Twin Peaks? For Boards of Canada. Oh, you, uh, a long time ago. Probably. Okay. <sighs> End of high school. Okay. You know, I'm 36 now, so that's quite a, quite a while. Not that long, I guess, but yeah, we feels are, like a different lifetime. <laughs> yeah, we are 
not the youngest generation anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting up there. Yeah. Why do you think there is such a... Especially when I started thinking about our conversation today and I was just thinking about Stranger Things, the whole Halloween movies, and I, I researched... Because um, I knew Retrowave was a big thing on YouTube. I didn't know how much channels there are out there, though. And it's massive. Why do you think the 80s and this kind of VHS aesthetics and the neon is so um, kind of appreciated nowadays. Is it my, the my theory is that because for us, for the people who are growing there, growing up there, I guess for us as well, it's kind of like very scarce and it's nice to relive it nowadays. Yeah, I think maybe we have some FOMO, you know, like, uh, you know, I was born in 1985, so my kind of, my part of the 80s was, you know, five years old when it, yeah. you know, it ended. So, you know, I didn't really, I was there, but I wasn't. So like, you know, I think I've, you know, I've always thought it's definitely attached to some sort of nostalgia. And I also have always wondered why, why we've attached so much of the visual aspect to, mm -hmm. you know, that music where, you know, I hear a lot of synth wave and I, I you can just tell that it's going for that kind of eighties vibe, but yeah. Um, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't, um, I don't know. You can't get past, like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't have it, but it looks it and it, and it's got the feeling, but it's just not, it's new. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, I've always, I kind of did some, you know, sort of eighties graphics here and mm -hmm. there, and then I've kind of moved away. From, I, you know, I've, I've like never been like a super neon and, and yeah. things like that, you know, as far as, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't even necessarily really like the, you know, the eighties as a, as a, as a thing, you know what I mean? In terms of culture I really or just liked the, the equipment okay. that was used in that time, you know? How did, how did you study? Like, how did you basically when you started producing, which I assume is somewhere in the two thousands? Yeah, probably. I think probably like 2003, four, I started really messing around. So how did you, how, um, how, let me think about the question. How did you study the recording and producing process in the 80s? Like, were you just digging around the internet or... Because there wasn't that much, I assume, there wasn't that yeah. much documentation. Back then, no, I really didn't research all... You know, I was looking up new tech. When I first started writing music, I started to do drum and bass music. So all the kind of technical insights that I could find were all, it was all new for the most part. You know, there was a dogs on acid forum and I would mm -hmm. go there for tons of tips and tricks and techniques and tutorials and whatnot. And, you know, as I, you know, as, as the internet grew, um, I think when I really got into the sound of the eighties is, is kind of when I worked in advertising, I had a, I had a buddy who, you know, again, you got to check this, you know, to check, you got to listen to this 80s song and this one, this one, this And then I, you know, I remember, you know, I've heard these songs. I grew up with these songs. These songs were playing, my parents would listen to this music, you know, and, but I never really cared until then, until I really, I fell in love with the sound of the drum machines really is what it was. And, and then, you know, I did as much as I could, you know, uh, looking at, you know, the physical liner notes on records and then, you know, Discogs was just, you know, they were starting to, so much information was being populated on there, seeing what, you know, what synths were used on this track, what drum machines, you know, who, who they were, then researching, you know, if it was just a, 
a band with session musicians and searching everything that session musician did, you know, all the releases they touched and you could see, you know, oh, he could program the drums here and here mm-hmm. and here and here. And then just like kind of, you know, really studying that part of it. And I think that's what inspires me more than say just the eighties as a whole, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's more the technology and, and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's really my journey into kind of studying music. I mean, it was really rudimentary back when I started at least, you know, I, I, very simple uh, means and everything, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, there was this kind of like the dawn of the internet as commercial use, I guess, back yeah. then. So was, information was kind of scarce. Definitely. I, I wonder, what, I'm not a producer, so it's difficult for me to imagine, per se, mm-hmm. but I wonder what it's like today. Like when, like for today, like 13 years old, where I, like you can get all kinds of... I remember I, when I got the first Fruity Loops or FL Studio to play around was such a big thing and we had this cracked version we were sharing with friends and now I feel it's just a different experience. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, it's it's like I think it's probably crazy right now. I think it's just like uh, it's really oversaturated. I think it'd be hard to, to find a start. I mean, people write to me all the time. They're like, "I just I'm writing this music, and how do where do I what do I do that? Who do I, where do I put it? Where do I go? Where where can I find? You know what I mean?" And I'm like, "Yeah, like a guidance." I came into it. I think at the the, the moment where it all changed, mm-hmm. and then it just went. You know, like SoundCloud was still very small when I started and then it just blew up. And now it's just like, I don't know how you get noticed anymore or, 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 you know, it's not, it's not as easy. You know, the blogs and everything, they were just all the, all the little micro blogs that were really popular have kind of all those faded away. And yeah, and now it's just the, you know, it's, it's, it's a totally different landscape and, and, and all the streaming platforms now. And it's like, you know, that's what people are, you know, they're basically, I, I see more features coming to certain, you know, platforms that are kind of making, are kind of re, like re-intertwining mm-hmm. how people used to find music and, and, and the, and the, and the blog and the social media, you know, that kind of, you know, that, that other connection in now, because I don't know, I feel like you have to go to so many different places to find things. I think that it's like extremely overwhelming. And I, I guess for a new artist or someone that just wants to start, I think um, it could be kind of discouraging because it's just too much, like too much out there. But it's funny, funny you mentioned this. I'm going to, after the podcast, I'm going to send you a link because the episode we just released on Monday, it's about the the decline of music blocks is recorded by one of my other teammates. And it's, Ah. it does touch upon a lot of topics you shared. So I think you, you're going to, you're going to like it. But to, to what you said, it's funny because I think in 10 or 15 years, this kind of behavior of finding music emerged and then it declined and then there's something new. And even for me, who is someone who is listening to music all day, it's kind of hard to find new music sometimes. It like is. Good, it good really new is. music I, though. Like not new music, but something worth like, wow. Yeah, it really, really is. I think a lot of the time I'll just put, you know, I'll play, I'm a big whole record guy these days. So I like to listen to a whole record, you know, kind of take it all in. And then I'll just let, you know, one of the streaming platforms take over from there and just, you know, play stuff that's similar, I guess. And then sometimes you'll hear something you're like, where, I, how did I not know about this? Or, you know, or you could go, you know, a whole evening listening to that stuff and, and you're just like, oh, you know, I didn't find anything that was, was crazy. And, but I, I really think um, the big thing now is, is like, you know, everybody's doing these 
really cool playlists. And I think that's a huge thing to find music because everybody's tastes are different. You know what I mean? So I found a lot of cool music from other artists playlists that Mm -hmm. I didn't know about. So I think that for me, that's where I find a lot of stuff that I I didn't know about these days. And, you know, I think that's a great feature being able to like share your playlists without, Mm -hmm. you know, having to, having to burn it to a CD or. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Do you think the the genre, like whatever you want to call it, like retro wave or synth wave, I I guess someone who's a super hardcore fan is going to be pissed off at me for putting them together. (laughs) But do you think there is like a next step to it or like an evolution or it's going to be like something new is going to appear that's going to take something from the genre but make it new or that genre is going to evolve? How do you see the scene? If if we saw what happened, you know, in the in, from the sixties and the seventies into the eighties, and we watched how music changed just from that perspective, how how now, you know, all this kind of throwback music is coming out right now. Stuff we're making, you know, all the, the any any of the waves, you know, right now, I I'm already starting to see it filter into pop music more and more. Like it was there a little bit here and there, but now it's like like a lot of the big hits that are coming out mm-hmm. are extremely referenced uh, in the, you know, to, to this kind of synth wave and retro wave. So I, I think, you know, we're going to see more and more of that, whether it hurts, you know, this kind of genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but if anything, it's just going to make more people get into it. And then hopefully not like others, you know, this has happened for other genres where, you know, a bunch of people get into it and then there's too much and then everybody moves on and does something else. And then, you know, years later it makes a resurgence and then, you know, it's like a vicious cycle. Circle, yeah. I can't really see where it's going to go. I honestly don't listen to that much of my own style of music, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, cause I get roped in with a lot of stuff and, and a lot of stuff. It's not that I don't like it. It's just like, I'd rather listen to other stuff. I like really like ambient music and I've been getting into some indie, indie rock and stuff, you know, just different, you know, I'd like to switch it up, but yeah. What's, um, what's on your playlist? Yeah. These days. Um, or like, on no, rotation. <laughs> um, I like, like been listening to Fox Warren and, you know, I've been, I've been doing a lot of 3d modeling, uh, this week and I've, um, kind of been going back to the old boards of Canada records. I'm kind of all over the place and I'm really, really big on podcasts these days too. I, I I feel like I'm, I I can get more done if I listen to a podcast Mm -hmm. versus music, um, which is crazy. Interesting. (laughs) um, I can do that. (laughs) You know, it's like being, I think, you know, it's like you said, it's very difficult to find new music that you actually like, you know, and now I've kind of switched to like, I'm constantly finding podcasts that like I subscribe to after an episode, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, like I take my money, keep doing this. Cause this, you, you know, I really, I really, really like podcasts, you know? Yeah. It's usually if I'm working out or walking, it's also my go-to. I don't listen to yeah. music. I listen to music if I'm on the computer, but outdoors very rarely. Yeah. I want to circle back to something you said about the genre, like some niche genre kind of coming to the spotlight. I I think if I'm not corrected, this is what happened. If I'm not wrong, this is sort of what happened to trap music with hip hop, like with the love trap beats. And I wonder what you said about synthwave. Do you see yourself producing music for singers who are rather in the more pop space? Why I'm saying this is for a particular case, actually, that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, heard the latest Hosey album, which was produced by Trent Reznor. 
and I was quite I surprised. Heard to, it, but yeah, I was quite I'm surprised. Aware of it, yeah. So, do you see yourself moving into that space or experimenting maybe with singers and maybe more, let's say, pop sound as a, as a, as a vocals? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm always open to it. I'm hoping to have a few vocal tracks on the next record, my own record, um, just because it's something that I don't really get a chance to work with that often and it's something i would like to get better at so um you know there's been a few things i've worked on a few projects a lot of projects that just kind of never went anywhere and um you know so i'm always open to it i mean i don't know if i'll go full-on pop i mean if it happens it happens mm -hmm. but I, i'm not seeking that out you know i'd rather score a film you know as opposed to produce music i think i think it's always been a difficult thing for me to you know kind of um work with another artist as far as that's concerned. I think I'm a mm -hmm. bit of a control freak when it comes to the, you know, the production process and my, my, the way I do things and, you know, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm definitely not opposed to growing into it either. Um, and you know, it's, it's something, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to try it, see if I could do it, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really actively seeking it. You know, I love doing mm -hmm. my remixes. Like I'll always do a remix for, for some pop music. Cause basically to me, it's like, okay, I'm taking this, you know, the vocals and the melody of the song and then I'm going to completely rewrite it as if I was the producer in the mm -hmm. studio and we were working on it for the first time, but the vocals are perfect and already done. You know what I mean? So Man, I've I, always thought that's how I do that. And then I don't know. I you know it's, it's a, it's an interesting uh, kind of world to try to wrap your head around. I think it's really, it's really competitive. The film scoring uh, world as well is, is extremely competitive and you know, it's, there's a lot of opportunity and there's, there, it's a lot of work. Uh, mm -hmm. To get into it so yeah there's so many like composers who are extremely famous in that world and then yeah nothing out of it but i reckon having your name and your music out there as an artist for like more than a decade might definitely help yeah you know i've, I've always thought i've kind of just been patiently waiting as patient <laughs> as i can be to like the right opportunity to come along you know there's been some opportunities where i just didn't feel like it was the right time or mm -hmm. i not that I wasn't capable, but you know, that it just, I, you know, I, I don't know. I have always just thought the the right thing is going to kind of just show up at one point and then it's just going to work. And that's really going to be, you know, the, 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 the right. Future. I, I'd li I, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to play shows still, but it, you know, I'm getting a little older and I, I kind of like being home. And, and if I could just, you know, travel and score films and things like that, that's, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> Fingers As opposed can. to, you know, two month long tours and, you know. Yeah, that must be exhausting at some point yeah, it's, if you do it. It's yeah. like the Rolling Stones for such a long oh, time. Can't believe it. When you mentioned the podcast, I love um, podcasts, <laughs> your remixes. There was one, there was a guy who I found in the early days of Starfox called Graf, like the artist. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening with him if he's still, but I know you remixed him back in the mm -hmm. day. And um, mm -hmm. because we have a, our own Discord, and we get or we source some questions like i always announce who's going to be the next guest and mm -hmm. sometimes people and mostly artists ask questions so one of them was about your remixes uh, i can't remember who asked me but it was basically um and that's more of an uh, like artist advice would you say like remixing is a good way to to stay active in the scene and kind of expand your audience or you did it more from a, okay i feel creative and i want to remix this one like 
I you- think for me personally, or yeah, it was a way to stay active. Uh, it was also a way to kind of branch out and reach out to other, you know, you, uh, if you do a remix for, 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 for a very big art, say, you know, I did that Deftones remix. And yeah. That kind of opened me up to a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily listen to the style of music, which is incredible to me. You know, it's like, you know, it's like when, when a synthwave artist remixes a synthwave artist, it's kind of like all in the family kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not yeah. really, it's awesome, but it doesn't really, I, I think the point of a remix is to take something and then take something else and make something different. You know what I mean? And make something new with it. Um, I think a lot of my remixes honestly don't necessarily sound extremely close to my own personal productions. You know, I think, um, I think I, I've always kind of used a remix as basically an excuse to experiment and mm-hmm. uh, kind of just be weird with things and try different things. And, and, you know, for, they've, for the most part, I, th- I think it's been well received, but you know, it's, uh, as opposed to just slapping, you know, a, 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 you know, vocals on a full record and putting it out under my own, you know, under calm truths, you know, I think the remixes have allowed me to work with vocals in a limited capacity mm-hmm. um, and branch out into different things. And, and it's definitely, it's definitely like, um, it's, it's, you know, it's good for the brain, learning new things, learn, you know, seeing how you get these, you know, when I did the Daft Punk remix, I mean, I had the, you know, the, the multi-track stuff. It was like, I don't even remember. It must've been like, I don't know, 40 gigs or something of like this insane, uh, orchestral recordings, uh, you know what I mean? And it was to see how everything was tuned perfectly and to hear it individually. And just like, it blew my mind. I never even thought of things like that. So, you know, you, you learn just from looking at other people's files and how they're doing things. And you can, you know, when you separate things and hear them independently, you can really, you're like, Oh, that's how they're doing that. You know what I mean? So it's extremely beneficial to getting other people to listen to your music that necessarily wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And for your own, you know, your own, um, your own kind of project as you know, as far as like, Oh, I can do this like how they did it because you know, that's better than what I'm doing or, or it's different. And you know, I don't know. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's kind of like going out of your comfort zone, which definitely usually it's always the, always a good thing if you want to grow, obviously. Definitely. But all of the, the remixes you've done all these years, they're mostly, especially for example, let's take the Deftones one. It's an official remix, right? Like yep. uh, your management or label approaches, how does it work actually in the most kind of behind the scenes for most of the yeah probably if there's a few remixes i did for friends and things like that some some like i did a remix for my old roommates and then some people i i just were friends with when i lived in brooklyn and then but most of the remixes they've come to either through ghostly that you know someone will reach out to ghostly then ghostly will say hey these guys need a remix you you don't want to do it or or they reach out directly to my my lawyer or manager um and and then he'll you know he'll just facilitate you know um, whether or not we do them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I say a lot, I say yes to a lot. I don't, I, I don't think there's ever really been a one, uh, ever really been one that I've turned down. Um, there's been some I've done that just didn't ever come out. Um, you know, I, I worked on a couple of remixes for big compilations for mother artists that like that they, they just scrapped the compilation. So no one's remixes came out. And, okay. You know, just things I've started that, you know, that were different. I did remixes where the artist was just not thrilled on it. And, you know, we've taken the vocals <laughs> off those remixes and released them as my own songs. And no one knows, you know, so. Fair enough. You know, yeah. Um, Cause you might like, I, we are a kind of the 
podcast part where I'm going to ask you a bunch of industry and artist questions if you mm-hmm. want to share your thoughts, because it's definitely going to help uh, a lot of the artists who listen to, because our, I think our podcast audience is still predominantly artists. Maybe we're going to change this after inviting more artists, but how, because you mentioned in, in a few other interviews, your manager, um, how, imp- how important is basically to, to get a good team behind you early on? Because this oh. for you happened quite early, right? In your yes. career. It's the only reason my career happened, honestly. Um, <laughs> Come on. You know, I don't, now it was probably, it could, you know, the landscape is a little different, but back then I think, um, you know, I, 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 this wasn't something I actively, you know, I was pursuing as like a career possibility. You know, I never, I still, um, <laughs> if I get to sit at home in a studio all day, like for the last, you know, 12 years or whatever, like, this is crazy. I, you know, so like, this was never my goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I started writing music, I, I, I always was happy working in advertising and, you know, I would ha- be happy if I was still there, but, uh, you know, I think really what happened was, um, my, my manager, who was also my lawyer, he found my music on a, on a, a music forum he used to visit. I can't remember the name, all music. I don't know, maybe, but, um, and he, at the time they were, um, his, his, the law firm he was working for, they were doing stuff for Neon Indian. They were doing, you know, all his, his legal work. And, mm-hmm. um, he, you know, had said to, to Neon Indian's manager, he's like, you should check him out, you know, uh, if you guys need remixes or anything. And then, you know, eventually they, you know, he contacted me and, and then, um, did the remix. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a note from my, my manager lawyer, who his name is Matt Cutler. And, uh, he, he said, you know, um, Hey, I'm, I'm the one who, you know, I kind of, I told them to check your music out and I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. Love it. Like, you know, what are, what, 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 you know, what are your goals? Like, what are you, what are you doing with this? And then. Did you have any goals from there? Like was it weird for you to be asked this question? Like, what is your goal as an artist, especially yeah. back then? Yes. Because from from my my only goal was I, I would I wanted to put out a vinyl I wanted my music to be on vinyl you know in whatever you know whatever it would be just <laughs> I wanted to have a record I never thought I'd have a record deal or you know go on tour or anything like that I, I mean I used to DJ down in Philadelphia drum and bass music so I you know I played you know shows air quotes <laughs> you know here and there but yeah. I never thought of doing like you know you know uh, touring Europe or anything like that or or, or you know going, you know, flying to Australia. Like I never foresaw any of this or ever expected it. It's all been <laughs> kind of crazy to me, but I think, uh, you know, it, it was also, so he asked me that. And then, you know, a little while later, um, you know, I'm sitting in the room with ghostly in, in Manhattan. Um, you know, we're just, they asked me the same question. They're like, all right, so where do you want to go with this? What are your goals? What are your, and I was just kind of like, I don't know. They're like, do you, do you think you want to, you know, play shows live or, you know, and I was kind of just like, I mean, I guess I'm open to trying anything and, you mm-hmm. know, whatever works will, will stick and what doesn't, it doesn't work, you know, um, but being asked that and being able to explain your goals is, is definitely difficult. Um, I think if, if you have a, a different trajectory in your life going on at that moment, and then having to like 180 and be like, oh, so music is, is actually like it's a my real possibility. I, I remember when I, when I left my job in advertising, my parents were pissed, you know, because they were like, <laughs> you finally, you know, you got a good job and you're supporting yourself. You're on your own and you're going to throw it away for music. And then, you know, 
couple years later and you know I, I have a couple sellout shows in new york and they come down and they see it and they're just like all right so yes it is kind of legit you could, this could be a job you know so <laughs> i was just gonna I, ask I think, when is the moment they were like okay that is yeah. going places yeah they came to um I think it was the Bowery Ballroom. It was the first time they, they had actually seen one of my shows and uh, sold out. It was crazy, crazy night. And uh, and, then, and then they were like, all right, we, you know, we see you're doing it, you know, just take care of yourself, you know. <laughs> But um, so that, yeah, that was that moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, parents always think the, the best for us. And yeah, I guess they, especially in such cases, different generations don't always see this, the whole picture. It takes yeah. them time to, to kind of figure it out, but it's, it's awesome it happened this way. And, and I mean, it must be amazing to, to have this opportunity to do this uh, full oh, time. Yeah. Do, do you still design, by the way, like uh, graphic or illustrations or, or anything? Mm -hmm. Yes, constantly. Uh, like, yeah, like I said, lately I've been, you know, getting into some... Yeah, uh, 3D modeling, you said. Yeah, just making some, some kind of abstract, uh, some abstract art and... And then, um, you know, I've, I've really been trying to do more because I would like to, you know, kind of supplement my career with that stuff as far as, you know, like income's concerned, mm -hmm. not to, you know, have to have to worry. I'd love to, and I would just love to do more design work and programming and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. and I kind of got my, my hands in a lot of pies that I, you know, I got a lot of hobbies <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, you know, keep, keep them all going at once, but, uh, it's, uh, Yeah, I just, I, I find, you know, the design stuff very, you know, I'll be sitting over there on the other computer and, and be working on some art or, you know, design, designing something for myself or my, you know, and then I'll just kind of, it'll, it'll spark, you know, music creativity and then I'll work, I'll be like, oh, that, this, this picture looks like the sound and I got to go sit down and make that sound or, so I think, you know, doing both is extremely beneficial and being able to do both. I'm super lucky to have both of those skills and, uh. You know, I think they work well with each other and they kind of, they kind of, uh, they influence each other and, and it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's integral to, to who I am as an artist to be, to be doing both at, at you know, all times. Yeah. This actually kind of covers one of the, the second community question we had was what, like, basically was, what is the, like, in your opinion, what is the extra skill set that an artist needs to learn nowadays? And you, I guess you kind of covered that with the design part. Yeah. I think I would change my, 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 my kind of my, my explanation for that a little bit. Okay. Um, I mean, for, for, I mean, you know, change it because of where we are today in the mm -hmm. world. I think, um, social media is something that you have to learn how to, um, really make use of in the right way. Um, and I think that's, something that it was there when I started, but it wasn't as prevalent. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, wasn't that as important. The, yeah. Artist. It wasn't the end all be all, you know what I yeah. mean? And now it kind of is. And I feel like that's something that every artist really, you know, needs to learn. I mean, everybody knows how to use it, but you really have to know how to, how to really use it to make it beneficial mm -hmm. because it can cost you money. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's constantly changing all the time. So you really have to keep up with it and mm -hmm. things like, you know, it's just, I think I find that overwhelming as an artist. That's, that's, I guess you could say that I'm slightly established, but I still find that part tricky. So, you know, kind of really taking the time to look at that 
mm-hmm. you know, the social media part of this job and, and understand the do's and the don'ts and the, you know, and just, you know, you know, figuring out your levels of comfort as far as engagement and, 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 and things like that. And, you know, I think that's huge now, but you know, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you get to a point where you're doing the, all your own design work too, you know, and, and then yeah. it comes to, okay. So you made the, you made the, the record sleeve and then you got, now you got to make all the little details, you know, advertisements and all the little pieces. And that's when it gets a little, that's when it feels like a job and it feels like less like art, you know what I mean? But I like doing that stuff. I like the nitty gritty and, mm-hmm. you know, technical print measurements and things like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think if you honestly like kind of, I know it's kind of so cliche, <clears throat> But it's like, oh, do what you love and you don't have to work a day in your life. But I, I know I pull off like 14 hours sometimes and I just love the stuff I'm doing. So I kind of, if you kind of manage to hit the thing you love, wouldn't feel like a, like a job. Definitely. One kind of last question on the topic, but I randomly saw that Beepo follows you. And we talk <laughs> about design and 3D modeling. And have you, have you looked into the whole NFT market I just had to ask you. Um, yeah, I mean, we had some, we, I mean, early on we had some, some things that we were going to do and then, you know, we talked to ghostly and, and then, you know, we really kind of, they, you know, we kind of settled on the fact that, you know, we'd like to get into it mm-hmm. or I'd like to get into it. It kind of feels like, you know, uh tech 1.0 in that, in that kind of realm, I guess. Yeah for for the real application of it i think is still kind of up in the air and you know i, I i'm definitely i'm yeah i'm open to it i mean it's you know the blockchain is crazy I'm, you know I'm, I'm getting into all that too now yeah. and you know i, I kind of wish i got into it earlier but you know I'm, I'm starting now i mean there's no i guess there's no bad time to start you know because you know I, I really think that's the way we're going as a society and and uh i think it's extremely important that's that's something i would recommend that up and coming artists definitely look into. Um, do I understand the NFTs yet? I mean, I, I do and I don't, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and I just want to put something out there that's, you know, going to be useful, you know, yeah. and not just kind of a one trick pony. So we'll see where it goes, but you know, it's, it's definitely on, on the radar. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I guess I also feel in the same way. I also got into whole blockchain crypto and NFTs like, Late last year, we wrote yeah. an article as well, and then some kind of makes sense. But sometimes, like it's just like I also don't get it. But there's yes. some. There was one case I think was Kings of Leon, or they saw their albums like tokenized, and if you have the token, you can go into VIP zone for all their shows, and that kind of made sense. Like if you the if the the, the token like NFT is in your wallet, and then I really saw the the application of the technology. The, yeah. It's, there's got to be some added value. You yeah, know there I mean? has it to. can't just be, I don't know, I, I just don't, I don't see the point if you, it's not, you know, kind of physically materialized yeah. in some way, you know what I mean? Where, you know, you know, I have plenty of files on my computer, you know what I mean? Do I need more? Like if they're not really, you know what I mean? I, I just, I'm still trying to come to terms with what the point is, I suppose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. But on the good side, there's of podcasts yes, <laughs> on the topic. Definitely, lots of them. <laughs> awesome set. Yeah, thank you so much for the chat. It was. Oh, you're welcome. It was great and uh, like such a nice experience, and I hope you also had fun. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure.